This episode contains spoilers for The Kingkiller Chronicle by Patrick Rothfuss, so if you haven't read it, you might not want to listen to this, as you will either be spoiled or will have no idea what I'm talking about. Enjoy! Both to Ari after admissions, like Denna from one of her journeys appearing out of nowhere, like the moon in its phases of showing and hiding her face. We back, baby. Hello. Thank you for being here for season two of Entirely the Right Sort of Podcast, a King Color Chronicle podcast. I'm your host, RJ. Happy to be back with you discussing what's going on in Temerant. If you've been here before, welcome back. If you're new, welcome. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, if you're those new to the pod might be wondering what the RJ stands for. So, um, I'm gonna let you in on a little secret that it stands for roasted jackfruit. Delicious. This podcast, as I said, what it is on the tin, all about Patrick Rothfuss's book series, the King Killer Chronicle, and specifically the characters who inhabit his world of Temerant. Our first season focused on the female characters and, um, you know, as a majority of named characters in the book are male, I wanted to celebrate those in the Chronicle who are feminine presenting. And then this season, season two, we're talking about the fellas of the four corners. Every episode I will share seven things we know or can infer about whoever I'm talking about and discuss some plot points, questions I have, any theories that I might have seen or thought up off my noggin. Last season, my very first episode of the podcast was on Quoth's mother, Lorian, and you can look up that one if you want. So I thought it was right and just, another RJ there, right and just, uh, to start season two with Arladen. Let's have our seven facts to start off this discussion. Number one, the dude hated poetry. Hated it so much that Quoth kind of adopted this mindset um, a lot of things his father says Quoth remembers and, um, takes us back to at, at certain times, but especially that he trid for poetry. Number two, Arladen and Lorian were described as being a Dimaru to their bones. Even though we know Lorian was from a noble family, we don't really know much about Arladen's family at all. There's no mention of his parents, any brothers or sisters, cousins, anything like that. Number three, Arladen and Lorian, really, uh, were both described as having dark hair and being beautiful. Number four, Arladen is Quoth's first teacher as far as how to play the lute and taught him a lot of things about acting, classic plays, etc. Um, that I think really kind of set Quoth up for success later in life. He calls on those trooper skills as we move forward in the Chronicle. Number five, Arladen had wandering blood, as Quoth says, and would often move the troop around, sometimes for a reason, sometimes for no discernible reason. Number six, something about Arladen. He never shared any part of a song he was working on before it was finished, except with Lorian, who was his partner. And number seven, crucial bit here, that Arladen had been working on a song about Lanray for, I believe, at least a year or two before he was killed and had also begun research into the Chandrian 
and said he knew some of their names. So the thing about Arladin is that we know enough about him to where I can accomplish a seven things, right? But we, and Quoth, sadly, we get so little time with him that there are a lot of questions that are still kind of hanging in the ether about Arladin's past for us, right? Quoth might know more than he lets on. We can assume Arladin grew up in the troop, in the Edema Rue, because there is at one point where Quoth says both of his parents are Edema Rue down to their bones. We, But we don't hear about Arladin's childhood or his family. I think we can assume he was born into the troop, uh, born into the Edema Rue family. We know, obviously, his mom was from a noble family, probably the Lacklaces. And for more on Lorien, visit the first episode I ever did of this pod, the first full episode. But we don't really know much about his past. We get it in, in bits and pieces from Quoth, mostly about his his present, right? Arladin's present and, and the near past. He is the leader of the troop of Baron Greyfallow's men and as such is responsible for keeping everyone safe, deciding where they go. Quoth says he, uh, Arladin has kind of the, the soul of a wanderer and sometimes he'll just pack up and take the troop somewhere else, either because there's too many suspicious looks from the townsfolk or he just had a notion he's ready to go elsewhere. Uh, he's a wanderer. That makes me think of the fact some folks do wonder if Arladin is actually Quoth's father or if Quoth is part Fae. Um, I don't really know how I come down on this. I, it certainly adds a bit of mystery and a bit of intrigue, but Quoth being part Fae would almost make everything a little too easy. It would almost explain everything a little too well, why he's so good at what he does. His color-changing eyes, the fact that people say he does have some Fae in him, a bit of that wild side. Um, but I, I guess it's possible that Lorian did bed down with someone else. Um, Arla didn't even teases her about that, about bedding down a wandering god about 12 years ago. Um, and she makes a little joke that we are to assume refers to Arladin, right? So growing up in the troop, troop, not truth, although growing up in the truth sounds, I don't know what that sounds like. That sounds cultish. And the Edimaru are not a cult as far as we know. They are a nomadic people who ostensibly make their living by traveling and performing. And that's who they are. That's who they're known to be. There are some harmful stereotypes about them that as far as we know are false. Um, I know there again are people out there in the King killer ether who wonder if either Quoth missed some things when he was a kid or is deliberately misremembering things and life in the troop wasn't as idyllic as he makes it out to be, but I don't necessarily like that theory because it kind of means stereotypes are right. You know, like if the Rue are actually liars and thieves and Quoth either 
had the wool pulled over his eyes because he was a kid or is lying to himself and chronicler. I don't really like, I don't really like that idea. The idea that harmful stereotypes about an entire people are unfortunately true, but you know, anything's possible. Growing up in the troop, both had access to so many different people and learned so many different things. But I think what he treasures most is what he learned from his father. He remembers his father standing behind him with his hands on his shoulders, teaching him how to act. He remembers acting out scenes with his parents. And I apologize if you now in the background can hear my dog eating her bone. Um, it's better than what she was doing before I hit record, which was wrestling with Bast the cat. So we take what we can get. Any uh, apologies for any crunching? I would, I would say that Kvothe's early childhood, even if Abanthi hadn't showed up, really, really, really served him well in his life. He. We see it, you know, right in the aftermath of the Chandrian attack that Woodcraft, he learned from one of the other troopers, I forget his name, um, kind of helped save him. He remembers his mother and father telling him things that can keep him healthy. He talks to so many people when he's in the troop and learn so many things that help him, you know, in those early years and again, down the line. But I think he really cherished his time with his dad as a kid, learned so much from his dad. And I think takes after his dad. We certainly hear Quoth remembering things Arladen said, um, you know, little aphorisms much more than we remember. He remembers his mom that we hear about, he actually doesn't say Lorian's name until midway. Well, until early in book two, when he's talking about the rhyme Arladen came up with for Lorian, but he talks about his dad a lot more things. His dad said things, his dad did things, his dad taught him. So they had a, a, a very, very close relationship. And I think the fact that Quoth's parents loved one another so much. It, it seemed like a very loving, open, kind of teasing relationship. I might even say that the fact he had such a good childhood makes it all the more tragic it was taken away from him, right? If he, if he and his parents had a negative relationship, the, the, the tragedy would be so much different. But I think it's incredibly and especially sad because both was so loved and so taken care of that we know. Um, so that just, it, it really makes it a tragedy. Um, I want to talk about, of course, Arladen's song, because that is the kind of the tease, you know, in the beginning, what is the song going to be about? We hear a lot about it. The fact that no one, besides his mom, here's even a piece of it before it's ready. Although Arladen tragically breaks that at Ben's going away party when he gives us the beginning of the song. I, and I, I think Quoth would be wise to be curious about Arladen's song about Lanray because Arladen knows that the Chandrian are connected to Lanray. Arladen even says 
in the book to Ben, um, and I have my book here, something to the effect of, yeah, um, I think I've dug up their reason after all this while. I've teased it together from bits and pieces of story. That is actually something I just noticed. The fact that Arladen thinks he has a reason for why the Chandrian do what they do and that it's all connected to the story of Lanray. That's fascinating. And I, I, I want to know how he first heard about Lanray, or maybe he discovered it when doing research into the Chandrian. I'm not 100% sure which came first. But he, I mean, ostensibly took them everywhere while they were trooping around for Baron Greyfallow to try and dig this story up. He speaks of some of his frustrations. I believe he says here, I'm opening my book again, that he... As far as the names of the Chandrian, right, he's asking Ben about it. And he says, there's a couple of dozen I've collected that I'd appreciate your opinion on. So he's been working on this for a very, very, very long time. I, I just want to know where he went and what he found. That is just a big unanswered question. Um, because we know or we suspect that the Chandrian eliminate information about themselves or maybe information that that portrays them in a certain way. So where did Arladen find this stuff? Is it even still available? Um, obviously when Quoth is looking in the archives, all he finds is children's stories and, and, you know, silly things about rainbows and about the Chandrian being nice to us. So that's a, a, a very curious thing to me is, is how Arladen fit all these pieces together and um, what he really knew, what that song was really going to be. Now we, so he, so I'm gonna we're bringing someone else into this. As far as Scarpy goes, it would be interesting to see how close Arladen's story is with Scarpy's. I I know there's a lot of folks who think Scarpy is a namer or an Amir or ha, you know has some kind of connection to um, people with the the capital letters in their name, Amir, Chandrian, Scythe, not singers though, they don't, they don't get a capital. Anyway, so Scarpy and Arladen, I wonder if their story is the same. Uh, folks wonder how Scarpy knew Quoth's name. I wonder if the answer is as simple as Arladen met Scarpy, met up with Scarpy, and Quoth either was there or Arladen talked about his kid um, I think that's how Scarpy knows Quoth's name, though he obviously could be a namer. We don't know a lot about the dude. Probably won't do a podcast on him because it would be five minutes long. Lauren also knows Arladen's name, and I think that's very interesting. And and Quoth, why didn't you question that a little bit more? How do you know my dad? I think there are two possible and plausible answers for this. One is that um, Arladen was so famous that Lauren heard of him, you know, as a bard, Arladen the bard, or somehow um, Lauren learned what Arladen was trying to find out. I think it's possible the Amir are wrapped up in the um, story of Lanray, and we know that Lauren is a little weird about the Amir and, and possibly trying to hide something. So I wonder if Arladen either went to him for information, found information from Lauren or 
Lauren heard through his channels that like, hey, this this bard is trying to dig up the true story of Lanray. Um, another fascinating line of thought, I think, is what if Scarpy's story and what we assume, I guess, is Arladen's story about how Lanry turned into Haliax is wrong. And either Dennis' story has more truth or there's like a third story out there about Lanray and about Haliax that we don't know. Um, I think that'd kind of be way too crazy, as well as the theory that um, Arladen isn't Quoth's real dad. I think both of those are just kind of like found so foundation-shaking that um, I'm not sure how you how Pat would deal with that. Um, you know, if the story about Lanray wasn't true or if Arladen wasn't close to real dad, those just seem like such dramatic things. But hey, you know, what do I know? So um, another thing about the Chandrian here, I'm uh, here. Here we go, folks. We're unscripted. Episode one, I've just got some notes written down. So I'm jumping all around. You'll have to tell me if you love it or hate it. As far as the names of the Chandrian, I know I just said um, Arladen said he had a couple dozen names for the Chandrian. So I wonder which ones he which ones he said the most. Right? How did the, why were the Chandrian after him? Is a good question. Well, I mean, we know why, but. I can't imagine that every night he was sitting around reading several dozen names. It just must have been that he he was trying so hard to work them into the story that he he said enough of them. Maybe he only summoned Cinder and Haliax. Um, maybe he only only alerted them. I mean, right? You probably only have to say the one a couple times, right? And like Foth says, we assume why it took the Chandrian so long to find the troop because they were always on the move. Though I do think, and I'm wondering if there's a possibility that the Chandrian were somehow afraid of Ben because Ben knew a lot about the Chandrian and didn't want to let so much on. Um, however, I will say, so I will say this about Abanthe and I might do a, I might do a podcast on him. But if you know about the Chandrian and you have any idea about their motive and what they do and why they operate, I'm just curious why Ben didn't tell Arlen to stop, right? Why didn't he give this guy some kind of warning that speaking those names again and again and again is going to get you in trouble? I do think that's part of the reason Ben left when he did um, because he realized how much shit could come down on the troop and he didn't want to be a part of that. I think that could be a reason. I think it, it could just be timing. Um, certainly there are folks out there um, on King Killer Reddit who say Ben was connected with the Chandrian somehow and that he led them to Arladen's troop, which I don't, I think that's a weird idea, but you know, definitely possible. Um, 
So that just, that just kind of puzzles me is why you wouldn't give Arladen and Lorian more of a warning. If you know about the Chandrian and you know that they've been sitting around saying the names again and again and again and again, like, why wouldn't you warn them, try to stop them, something like that. But, uh, that's neither here nor there. Maybe we will find that out in book three. We know Quoth, um, does meet Ben again, we assume, but that's for another day and another podcast. So one more thing I wanted to talk about that I came across while I was doing research for this podcast. And I have to say, one thing I do enjoy about doing this is learning new things and thinking about new theories and new tidbits. So someone, and I forget who it was, brought up the fact that Arladen's, you know, if that's his real name, if that's the name he always uses, the Lacklaces might know that name, right? Unless he was running around with a pseudonym the time that he stole Natalia Lorian away. It's very possible that some vintage nobility know who Arladen is by name. And I do believe someone had a theory that, you know, that's one of the reasons Ambrose is so antagonistic, excuse me, antagonistic towards Quoth and why someone might have been trying to kill Quoth on the boat to Ventus is if they know who Arladen is, what he did and who his son is, the lackless bastard, you know, sailing into Ventus could partic- you know, could potentially be very disastrous for people in the Ventish peerage who want to keep him out. Uh, so I think that is a cool little tidbit that I hadn't really thought of. I don't really have uh, much else to discuss here. A bit of a longer episode than normal, I think. Usually I'm kind of under 20 minutes. I think I'm over today, so... Hopefully season two premiere extra little bonus minutes of me hemming and hawing is something that you all love and think is delightful and delicious. I will say it's all, it's a pleasure to be back. It's always a pleasure to be here. I am going to shoot for the first Sunday of every month to do these, uh, character profiles of the men. I'm hoping to, I'm hoping to, to get a little bit quicker and maybe do twice a month, but we'll see. Um, as we know, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, sometimes I disappear for a couple weeks, a couple months. Um, but I'm going to try really hard for that first Sunday of every month and you can find new episodes wherever you get your podcasts. I'm pretty sure I know I'm on Spotify. I'm on anchor. I'm on Apple podcasts and then probably Podbean, podcatcher, all of those, wherever you find me. You know, it's an exciting time in the Kingkiller fandom. We just got that Doors of Stone prologue. I did a little episode on that if you want to listen to that. We have a chapter coming out soon from Doors of Stone. And if you're looking for more Kingkiller podcasts, as far as I know, there's three others right now that are live and active and dropping episodes. Tales from the Waystone, uh, they've been on here before. Will and Phoenix, two fantastic people that do some really philosophical and um just really really humanize these characters and and talk about the chapters in a particular way 
Page of the Wind just came back yesterday. Um, not to steal their thunder, maybe you know I'm gonna ride on their their wave of of excitement a little bit. But they do the books literally one page at the at a time, and just came back from a hiatus. And then uh, these fellas, I recently uh, became acquainted with, called the King the King Killers podcast, who are also doing a um, read through and I like to hear what they've got to say. So, Hey, a good time. I'm in now there's four. We only need three more active podcasts to have a full set of Chandrian. So anyone out there who's thinking of starting a King killer podcast, you know what? Go for it. Um, I use anchor.fm. It's free. This is not an ad. I did think about doing ads, but then I was like, eh, you know what? They don't need to do that. Um, you know, start your own podcast, get an anchor account. Talk to me about the King Killer Chronicle. I'd love to hear you. Any thoughts, questions, concerns you have, please email them to me. I love getting emails. I don't get a lot of them. My address is etrsop at gmail.com. Stands for entirely the right sort of podcast. I'm on Twitter as well. That's where I'm the most active. Um, I'm also on Facebook, not super active there. I don't have an Instagram I don't have uh, a Patreon either or anything like that. No merch um, as I'm kind of got a smaller following and I am a one woman troop, one woman band. Um, If y'all want merch, we can think about it. Um, If you want to financially support the podcast, I do have a Ko-Fi account, ko-fi.com slash E-T-R-S-O-P. If you want to, you know, buy me a coffee, toss a coin to your potter. Here I am just rambling at the end of it. Hope y'all enjoyed this. Um, And this is the end. Until next time, may all your stories be glad ones and your roads be smooth and short.